Hi everyone, and welcome to the Young Wealth Creation Podcast. This is a working title, by the way. My name is Kieran Tupuntas. I'm a young, driven investor whose focus is to develop wealth creation techniques designed to achieve financial independence, to reduce the reliance I have on work, my education, or those around me in terms of my financial livelihood. Hopefully some of the stories I share, the, some of the ideas I have about entering into the investment space can help encourage you guys to get involved for the first time and expand on that wealth creation knowledge and get you towards those financial goals that you have. The purpose of this podcast is to inform other people about the investment opportunities that are out there. For me, I see my friends and family around me asking me constantly, how do I get involved in investing? How do I get involved in the financial markets? When the reality of the case is there's so much information out there and people's judgment um, is easily clouded to the degree where people start making poor financial decisions and these poor financial decisions deter continuous and ongoing investment. The idea and scope behind this podcast is to take down the barriers of entry into the investment space, make it easy and approachable for the everyday young person, the everyday teenager, the everyday university student, the everyday whatever person to be able to approach investment, to be able to put their money to work for them, to develop techniques that make money management easier and set them up for wealth later in life. I'm not here to sort of promote a get rich quick scheme or any sort of you know, no risk investment or making $1,000 overnight by pressing a few buttons on my computer. You know, these sort of investments are scams, right? You see them popping up all the time. Um, you might hear some of your friends, you know, even buying into these sort of scams. It's important to be able to find investment strategies that aren't going to deter us long term and aren't really going to steal money off us and take down that barrier, that barrier into investment. When the reality of the case is there's so much information out there and in jumping into the investment space is super difficult, especially now in the coronavirus period, we see a lot of people jumping into investment, a lot of people putting all their paychecks towards trading and investing because they saw some video online or they saw one of their friends do it or they saw something on YouTube. And when, when the reality of the case is these people are going in half-assed, they're going in without any sort of scope, without any sort of goal, without sort of any sort of entry and exit plan. And developing good strategies is more important than trying to get rich quick or trying to buy stocks and shares that they've got no, no, no idea about. Instead of jumping into the deep end or trying to find that stock or that share or that investment opportunity that seems too good to be true, that's going to make us rich overnight, I'd rather help people find long-term investment strategies, even if it's those sort of investment strategies that are set to forget right? Those investment strategies, earning a little bit, a little bit of wealth, a little bit of income. These strategies are simple. These strategies last long term. These strategies are efficient and they're able to be approached by any sort of person. And there's so much opportunity out there. There's so many businesses and services helping people get involved in the investment space. I'm just here to promote better ways of investing, to be more informed and to help people get a good start and a good healthy start in the investment space to ensure that they're able to invest not only as a young person, but sustainably throughout the course of their life, not to be deterred from it, not to find an investment strategy that's going to throw their money at something that they've got no clue about or that, you know, in a couple of days, in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months, that money can disappear. That money can go to zero. That money is so variable because the investor has no clue what they're approaching, because that everyday person, that teenager has no clue about what they're are approaching and they get deterred from this. They get super deterred from this. So why listen to me? You know, you could be hearing advice from many sort of industry leaders, other sort of podcast creators. But the thing that sets me apart or that I believe sets me apart is my approachability. Because I am young, because I understand how young people are approaching investment, how young people manage their wealth, 
could look at me and sort of what the strategies I've implemented throughout sort of my investment course and my sort of knowledge base as a sort of way to navigate the waters in this sort of unknown space, in this sort of unknown space for a new person. Whether you're young and you've never been investing before or whether you've got some sort of scope in investment, investing or you're trying to sustain some sort of wealth, this is what this podcast is for. It's about creating discussion around investment, developing new investment strategies and approaching new investment opportunities as well as breaking down that barrier, breaking down that barrier to entry, make investment approachable. Don't make it seem like it's something that's unachievable for a young person. I'd like to head up this podcast with a little bit of my background. I've been investing for the last six years. I got started when I was 14 years old. I bought my first stock. I think it was an ANZ share. Yeah, it was about 20 ANZ shares worth about $500 that I opened in a NAB trade account. Back then, I had zero, close to zero clue about what I was doing. I got encouraged by a mentor close to me, one of our family friends, and that got me started in the space. From ever since then, I got hooked on the idea that you know, I could get my money working for me. I saw friends around me and people around me sitting there working. They were working, you know, 10, 20 hours a week. I was only young at that stage. They were earning, what, $15, $18 an hour. I thought to myself, you know what? If I can manage my money properly, I don't need to work. I can let my money work for me. I can develop strategies where I can know instead of earning $100, $200 a week, you know, doing a paper round or working as a dish hand, I could be earning, you know, close to that, even more than that by developing good earning strategies. The problem I soon realized is that I had absolutely zero clue about what I was doing. I was passionate, I was driven, I was motivated, I was researching all the time. But really the case was, I had no idea what a balance sheet was or what a profit or loss statement was or what a cash flow statement was or any of these super cool and weird looking indicators were or how to read a, a price chart or even what the price of a stock meant. I had zero, zero clue, and I made a lot of mistakes along the way. So for me, I try to reflect back on my past experiences and why I made those mistakes and how you guys, whoever's listening, can learn from those mistakes that I made. Instead of making the same mistakes, be more informed as to how to invest. Ever since then, I've developed more efficient strategies in terms of investment. I've expanded my portfolio instead of looking just at shares. I've still got shares now, but I've expanded to commodities like gold and silver, expanded into currencies. So I actively currency trade now, which is something that's um, active for me and very enjoyable. And we'll get to that to another episode or later on the podcast. And also digital currencies. As I see the investment scope shouldn't be limited to just stocks or stocks from one economy or just currencies or just commodities, it should be a variety of things, right? And diversification is a key point of investment and we'll get to that shortly. You want to be able to expand your wealth and expand your portfolio in order to have healthy, comfortable returns, but also mitigating risk. Before we get into any of the real content for today's episode, I want you guys to first think about what sort of investor that you are. You know, what's your sort of risk profile? And I'll give you a few questions to think about in terms of what you're trying to achieve uh, what's your sort of scope in terms of investment and how you'll be able to get there. So before you enter investment, it's important to understand why we're getting in there, how we're going to leave out of there, what sort of wealth do we need to accumulate, what sort of wealth are we trying to accumulate. So firstly, what are you trying to invest in? What do you want to achieve when you invest in? Do you want to find an investment that doesn't fluctuate much? Are you looking to attain regular passive income in terms of a yield, like receiving dividends from a, from a stock? Or you're not worried about income? Do you want to put your money in something that's super risky, 
but could come with a super high return. Secondly, how long are you prepared to hold investments for? Are you trying to invest and capitalize on a small sort of peak, you know, over a couple months towards a year, or do you want to find a stock or find a company that you're happy to invest your money in long term, over three years, four years, five years? Let those dividends come in every year, keep that money passive and try to ensure that there's some growth available in that stock. Then what's your tolerance to risk? Are we looking to find an investment that's going to be low risk? Are we trying to put maybe 10%, 20%, 30% of the cash we have in on our name right now of that wealth that we have accumulated so far into something that's you know low risk, trying to find small passive returns over a long term? Or if we put that money into something that's super risky, buying a small cap share, a micro cap share, we've got no real idea about how they're going to go, how they're going to navigate the new sort of situation, the new environment we're living now with coronavirus, etc. You know, are we are we able to put that money there? You know, if that one thousand dollars disappears overnight, are we going to be able to wake up the next day and you know still function, still go on with our regular life? These are the sort of questions we need to ask ourselves. The next sort of idea is to look internally. Firstly ask ourselves how experienced are we? Are we completely inexperienced and we need to find a strategy that's going to be super reliant on someone else investing our money and it's more of a certificate type thing, you know, will earn us less per year, but that risk is much lower. And how secure is our income? You know, are we working part-time? You know, that's a pretty secure position. Are we working full-time? That's very secure in terms of our hours, etc. Or are we working casually? Or are we working on a contract basis, which is, you know, short-term, you know, the money each week could be different. You know, one week we could be earning $200 and next week we could be earning $500 and next week we might not be working at all. These are the sort of questions we need to ask ourselves. Hopefully after that process, we can now better understand what sort of investor we are. Are we a high return investor? You know, high risk investor looking to try and get money on a short-term basis, looking to capitalize on short sort of movements in the market, something that could double or triple in money overnight or could disappear. We can also look at ourselves as sort of a mid-range investor. We're exposed to some risk in, um, in trying to find some growth, some moderate growth, maybe 20 to 30% um, a year. You know, something that could be achievable through good stock investing, but also has some downside risk. Or are we a sort of low-risk investor trying to put our money something that, in something that's a sort of set-and-forget type strategy, something that's going to be held on and managed by someone else, or looking at shares are going to be hold on, held on long-term, maybe looking to achieve between 5 and 10% per year, which is achievable at that point. For most of us as young people, we are more tolerant to risk, right? We don't have many sort of expenses to our name. Most of us probably don't have any property or have any sort of huge overhead or huge expenses um, that we're dealing with. But if we are renting or have bills to pay, that has to be also factored in. Maybe we look at more um, laid-back strategies, more low-risk strategies. But if some of us... You know, have an income stream that if it disappears or if we spend all of that in an investment, it's not going to change our lives too dramatically, then higher risk strategies may be for you. This podcast is designed to be discussion-based. So um, throughout the course of this weekly podcast, we'll be looking at the headlines of the week, what's going on in the investment space to make sure we're all well informed about what's going on in every sort of sector, right? Because they're all interrelated in the world of finance and the world of investment. As well as this, um, every week we'll be looking at one sort of investment strategy, whether it might be from risk management to portfolio management, to dollar cost averaging, to trading the first time, to getting started on different platforms. These sort of questions will be answered. 
with the idea that months down the track, we'll be able to move from getting started investing for the first time and more complex discussions, looking at different sort of stocks and different sort of markets that are going on, um, how that relates to our investment, how we can mitigate risk and how we can try and maximize those returns. But for today's episode, we're gonna get those basic first investment questions answered. The biggest question I get is, is it risky to pick your own stocks? The fact of the matter is, it isn't risky if you know what you're doing, but if it's your sort of first sort of investment, if it's the first time you approach in the market, then it is super risky. Um, this is because an uninformed investor might not know about the intricacies of stock price and stock price movements, doesn't know about how risky an investment is, they don't know if an investment is overvalued or undervalued. Um, the scope of the investment is, is super tainted and super difficult to understand. As there are thousands and thousands of stocks out there, it's difficult for an investor to find which stocks are going to perform well over a long period of time, which stocks aren't going to be able to perform um, as desirably. As such, I'd recommend for people first getting started in the space is to look into managed funds. So managed funds um, are pools of money where a lot of investors pull their money and give it to a large managed fund company. So this could either be a big bank, or a fund like you know, like Colonial First Choice, like Beta Shares, like BT Technology. You know, there's so many out there, right? And what these managed funds do is they pull all this money together, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and they put it into different investment strategies, right? They've got teams of um, intelligent and obviously highly skilled investors. They put it towards either property, either stocks, either commodities cash money, they put it in cash money sometimes, put it into foreign currencies with the scope to diversify. As an investor, it could be hard to, especially with a small cash balance that we're approaching the investment with, with a small equity balance. We only have $1,000, $2,000, and it's impossible for us to get exposure to the property market, to get exposure to the commodities market, to get exposure to a lot of foreign currencies or international stocks as well with that little amount of money. The idea behind a managed fund is to reduce that risk exposure by giving the wealth that we have to someone that's got a better understanding of how markets work. Well, the matter of the fact, actually a team of people have got a better understanding of how markets work and we'll be able to reduce the risk exposure we have in terms of trading by ourselves. So as a first sort of trader, as a first sort of entrance into investment, I'd look into add to these options, right? These are funds that are traded on the stock exchange, the Australian stock exchange, that are involved in the same process as buying and selling any other sort of share. You know, starting up, you get an account with say NabTrade or Comsec, with any one of these banks that offer trading services or any other independent trading service firm. This gives us exposure to the stock market without too much risk as we're not actively trading ourselves, but other people are trading and these managed funds or ETFs as they're called, because they're electronically traded, do come with a Bit of a downside, right? There's always a cost involved with these. They'll take about 1% or less than 1% each year off your portfolio size, as well as the returns not being as high as other sort of investments, but with a stable return between 5 and 8%, especially during these sort of tremulous times that we're approaching now, where we don't really know what's happening with the current economy, having a fund that's invested not only domestically, not only domestic property and equities, but also international property, international equities, investments that aren't exposed to the same sort of risks that we are here in Australia, the same sort of uncertainty, provide greater scope as to what we're trying to achieve through our investment. The other question I get typically asked is, why should I invest? You know, you can keep your money in the bank and earn between, you know, 
half a percent to one percent if you're lucky annually right and so what's the point of taking money out there just to create an extra three four hundred dollars a year right it's it's this comes with more risk where in fact the matter is if i keep my money in the bank it's close to zero risk well the reality of the situation is now we're seeing an inflation rate sort of surpass and be close to that sort of return we can get out of the bank the year-on-year current inflation rates about two percent right about two percent just under it's been falling the last couple of quarters because of the coronavirus issue but it's about two percent so in the reality of the case if if that same product I was buying a year ago has gone from you know $100 to $102 it's been inflated by that two percent and you know that hundred dollars in the bank now is hundred to one dollars right and the fact that matters is I'm actually losing that difference I'm losing that difference my purchasing power has decreased proportionately to that inflation rate and we're actually worse off worse off through this process so investment may be a way to tackle that sort of impact on inflation it's also a good way to get started into wealth management right there'll be a day where all of us own our first property and the sort of wealth creation techniques we can develop as young people means that once we approach buying that first property or moving to that first house we know how returns work um, how investment works what's the scope of investment what sort of return can we get out of that property we can now become more informed as to how we're going to approach these sort of things later in our life. Also, once we come towards a larger income stream, I know for most of us, we're in university, I'm a working part-time, you know, our, inc- our income stream isn't that great. But once we move through university, once we get exposed to other sort of investment opportunities, right, those sort of tools we can develop as young people means that once we get into that process, we don't make the same sort of mistakes we might have done when we first got into investment. We don't have to make those same sort of mistakes that could be costly later on. Right? So it's a more of an investment in yourself that you're doing now by trying to learn how to manage your money and how to manage wealth rather than trying to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I hinted before about this idea of diversification. So people hear all the time, you know, what's the importance of being diversified? As a young person, how can we be better diversified? I told you one strategy before about looking into those managed funds, but also into stocks and bonds and stuff. How do we get that diversification through? Well, bonds are essentially... A debt, instead of having this sort of debt and this money you give to the bank and get a return from them, you give this money to the government, right? Bonds are seen as this sort of low risk, almost no risk, long-term investment, but nothing's ever no risk, that gives back this small, small percentage of return. You know, over a five-year period, you can be getting you know, 1%, 2%, right, from the government, but this is super low risk. It's important to be diversified, but sometimes as a young person, we want to be able to be exposed to some sort of portfolio risk, some sort of risk in price movements, where we can be able to generate some sort of returns as well. So I'd say as a young person, we want to orient ourselves, you know, as a first as a first move into those sort of major funds, but then later on into stocks, which are higher risk, but also offer higher returns. Currencies and commodities as well can be good to get some sort of risk exposure and diversification to different markets, and also looking overseas into international markets as well. Then another big question is, how much do I contribute? How much do I contribute to investment? As a first sort of approach, I'd, I'd contribute, you know, one to two to three percent of the money we have. Not too much because we don't know what we're doing so far. But as a young person, our risk exposure should be greater, right? If we lose a third or 40% of the money we have saved up, it shouldn't be on an end all for us, right? We should still be able to live and live comfortably because we've got some sort of income stream coming in the other way. I'd look into contributing about 20 to 30 percent 20 to 30 percent as a 6 to 12 month approach right and keep continuously investing right if we're on an income stream 
of five six hundred dollars a week. I know a lot of us are getting a job keeper payment or a job seeker payment, right? This money can still go towards investment. Every sort of weekly payment we could be putting, you know, two two to three hundred dollars, uh, maybe even less, one to two hundred dollars, pulling that money up, and you know, by the end of the month we might have a thousand dollars saved up, and we put that towards our managed fund or adding towards our stock portfolio. Um, this could help with dollar cost averaging, which we'll get to probably another episode, as well as growing that portfolio. And now, you know, instead of starting the year with $10,000 invested, we can, you know, towards the end of the year have maybe twelve dollars to $13,000 invested and still getting that 5 to 6% a year, which is still some healthy growth, some healthy growth in there. Then I get the question, okay, you know what? I've looked into investment. I know which stocks I want to buy. You know, I've found five or six stocks that are from a variety of market um, that will help mitigate my risk as well as having some good growth potential for returns. Then I get asked, you know, how do I sell? You know, when do I sell? It can get pretty tempting to look at the markets all the time and just as, you know, the price of a stock shoots up slightly, we can be triggered, you know, to go, dang, let's sell. Let's get out of this position. But the most important thing with investing is not only to have a plan when to enter a position, but also when to exit a position. If we have a plan to buy you know, BHP or any stock at a certain price, um, we should also have a plan to sell at a certain sort of price region. We can might say to ourselves, you know what, if the stock price drops by 20%, we will just get out of that price because we don't want to be exposed to even lower lower losses. But also the stock price, you know, raises by, you know, um, 10, 10, 15%, then we'll say, you know what, that's enough for us. That's enough risk exposure for us. Uh, that's our opportunity to sell. By having this sort of plan before we get started into investing, it gets rid of that sort of mindset that, okay, you know what, the stock's gone up 10%, you know, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot, it's going to rise 30, 40%. You know what, I don't want to have this sort of fear of missing out, this sort of FOMO, this, it's a big idea that keeps coming up in investment. It's more important, you know, you know what, have a successful position, have a successful open and close of a position. Um, this could be, you know, holding a position for months or, or years down the track. Important to have that sort of, scope as to when do I close this position finalized before we um, enter the position at the start. That way we're ensured that we don't get into this sort of emotional rigmarole of this whole emotional FOMO idea that's going through and instead enter an exit position safely and expose the right amount of risk that we did and get that sort of return that we hoped for. Hopefully some of those key ideas have been answered for you guys now. You know, how do I get started in investing? How do I ensure that I'm diversified? How do I manage risk? How much money should I be contributing? These sort of big picture ideas, these, these sort of big picture ideas should always be in our heads in terms of why we're here, why we're trying to invest, why we're trying to better our wealth and how we're going to create wealth long term. Looking into next week's podcast, I'm going to put more of a focus onto the news and headlines of the week, um, some broader discussion into what's happening in Australia in terms of Australian stocks and equities. It's happening overseas, especially in the American market. That's really fascinating what's going on right now due to our big reliance on America and their currency, um, moderating all the sort of economic movement that's going around in the world into commodities, especially oil and gold because they're fluctuating like crazy right now. We're also going to look into wealth creation and wealth management strategies, especially looking into budgeting, right? There's a lot of apps out there the most popular one right now is Raise, right? These sort of apps help budget the way we are investing and take a little bit of the spending we do each week and adding a little bit extra into different sort of stocks and stuff. These apps are really cool. And that's something I really want to talk about. These are a good place to head start as well in terms of our investing. Hopefully you'll enjoy this first podcast. It's something that I've been trying to do for a while now, something I'm super passionate about. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Any feedback is much appreciated. This is a sort of a new thing for me, a new sort of space that I'm getting into 
and you know i'm gonna probably make some blunders especially at the start but hopefully um, we'll get some more routine out there and have a sort of weekly discussion topic that we can do every week it's designed to be relaxed here a relaxed environment is designed to make those sort of barriers to entry into the investment space easy and more enjoyable and less risky and less crazy you know more understandable so hopefully you'll enjoyed um, let me know what you think about it and i'll be back next week see ya